Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Good morning, Mission Church. It's good to be with you this morning. God, Heavenly Father, oh, we need you. Mm, Jesus. God, we came here not as a fashion show, not to see the Michael Teasley show, not the mission show, but God, we're here to see you. God, you need to make yourself known, make yourself great. God, as you lift yourself up, God, to, to know you is to know peace, to know you is to know joy, to know you is to know real satisfaction. God, I pray that, that my words uh, would, would, would not just be my words, but God, as you would illuminate your text, your word, Lord, God, that you would, uh, through the spirit of the power of your spirit, God, illuminate us to see the beauty of your name. God, to see that you are infinitely great, God, that, that you're all satisfying. Oh, God, we need you this morning. God, here we are as we open up uh, the Bible. Um, Lord, uh, let us see you clearly. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Um, I actually want to start uh, off with scripture this morning uh, out the gate. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, Jesus is preaching uh, one of his famous sermons, the Sermon on the Mount. And this is how he closes uh, his sermon with this particular parable. It says in Matthew chapter 7 verse 24 is where we'll pick up. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. So I'm going to take you down a little trip of memory lane. Freshman Michael Teasley. We just bought a house. We, I didn't have no money. <laughs> My parents uh, bought a house. Hey, but I picked it out, so I get some credit. We bought a house, you know. Um, uh, um, they did not use my name for credit. They had good credit. Um, but in moving to this house, they gave me the privilege of picking out a piece of furniture that I could, a uh, new piece of furniture for my room. And I, for some, I, really, I wanted a bookcase. I don't know why I don't read. I don't like reading. Never did. But I just, that was the thing to do. Like if I, you, got, you, you really, you know, up there, if you got a bookcase in your room. But I had, to, I had to build it. And Fresno, they don't have no Ikeas. So it's no like, you know, pictures where uh, there are no instructions. I don't know if that makes it more frustrating or if it's more freeing just because I don't like to read. I'm not sure. I don't put many pieces of furniture together. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, uh, the, I don't remember exactly where we got this particular uh, piece of furniture. Uh, but, I mean, it was like a thick booklet to put 
together this uh, um, bookshelf. And I'm like, I don't have a time for all this. I'm just, I'm not, I don't read. Let me just look at the pictures. I can put this together because I'm smart. I can do this. And um, so it <laughs> took me quite a while. Uh, I, that experience alone, I, I dislike when people uh, move or get new things. Don't ask me to help you come build uh, something if you don't have it like just easy put together, especially I got to have the tools. Just It should just already come with the little screw uh, and the little hammer if it, it needs. I don't need any extra tools. I, I'm a minimalist in that way. Just make it easy for me as I'm building this. So I'm just looking at the pictures and I, I'm building it. And I said, well, this kind of looks right. So I think this goes right here. And I, looking at this picture, I think this is that piece. They're not labeled either. So it was just, I'm literally going off of, you know, the picture. I'm really I'm sketchy about where this bookcase came from. <laughs> Nonetheless, after about 20 painting hours over a couple of days, um, I get this bookshelf done. So I'm proud. So I want to show my parents. So I, um, I bring my parents into my room. Look at the bookshelf. And they kind of look at it and they start laughing. They realize, I say, the shelves, Michael, are backwards and upside down. And it's not like you can just lift them up and like rotate them. No, they're drilled in to the side. So I said, ain't nobody looking. Um, I'll just cover it up with some pictures and nobody will ever know. But as you can see, the unfinished side is the one facing us. And uh, on the bottom is like the the, uh, cardboard piece of the shelf and it's on the top part. And and then they, they... did a further inspection, and when they put, you know, a little bit of pressure on it, it, it does, I don't think bookshelves are supposed to go like this, when, when you, when you, I, I know it's not supposed to meant, like, to hold all of your weight, but, like, a one little tap, it shouldn't just lean to the side, and what I realized is because of how I was building it, and I wasn't really reading the instructions, and the way that I built it on the, the foundation of the bottom shelf, it, it made a difference that when pressure was applied, uh, it would start to, uh, start to give way, and, and so, Okay, what, who cares if a bookshelf falls? You know, forget the bookshelf. But what about your life? What if you go, I know, I don't need instructions. I'm a good builder. I can build my, I can make decisions on my own to build the life that I want. I know what it, I want and what it should look like. I think this go, I should have this marriage here and I should have this relationship. I should have this career here. This is the priorities of my life. Uh, but the, the test comes when the pressures of life come, will it be able to withstand the rain, the storms, and the flood? So, so Jesus is, is here, and, and he's talking to the disciples, the crowd, and the religious scribes, the Pharisees or the Sadducees, the religious leaders. So maybe you find yourself this morning uh, in one of these categories. Maybe you feel like you, you, you would identify as a disciple of Jesus. You said yes to Jesus as Lord and Savior and are in a committed relationship with him. Or, or, or maybe you would say you're more identified with one of the religious people. You've been around church your whole life. You would consider yourself to be religious. You have a sense of spirituality and you feel you at least know about God. Or or maybe you find yourself in the crowd this morning. Maybe drugged to church at 10 a.m. Who knows? Maybe uh, you don't really have a religious background, but somehow, someway, you found yourself in Mission Church on Sunday morning. A part of the crowd. What 
whatever category you find yourselves in, Jesus is saying, you are hearing my words. And so this is an invitation to everyone. He says, everyone who hears is an invitation to all. So whether you feel like you are a disciple of Jesus in the religious group, you have some sense of spirituality, or you just find yourself in the crowd because your crush is in the room. I don't know why you're here, but the invitation is open to all that Jesus is saying, if you hear my words, don't just hear them, but do them. And in this, you will build your life on a firm foundation. Jesus is only and specifically talking about his words. He claims that these words are his. He is not just talking about good teaching or sound logic, popular opinion, or some universal morality as if there is a liturgical list of rules or an objective truth outside of the personhood of Jesus. But he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. We cannot separate the teachings of Jesus from from the teacher. You cannot separate the principles of Scripture from the person of Scripture, Jesus. You cannot separate the words of Jesus from the person of Jesus. So, so, so he is not testifying to something that's true outside of the reality of himself, that he is truth, that his words are the key to unlocking eternal life, because eternal life is this, that they may know you, the true God, as 17, uh, John 17, 3 says. So here, uh, he is making a a point that there is objective truth to be known and experienced, but the objective truth is Jesus and is found in Jesus. Now, as he works his way through the parables, Jesus makes a clear illustration of two possible paths a hearer can take. He's drawing a line in the metaphorical sand, so to speak, between him and this religious establishment, that there are two foundations of life. Him or not him? That's it. You get two options. Here's the menu. It's like in and out. You get it's one, two, three. What you want? <laughs> ain't no, ain't no secret menu. Ain't no hidden Instagram account where you can go to Starbucks and order this, that, and the other. It's not Burger King. Have it your way. And there are two foundations. Him or not him? Which one you choosing? I'm coming for you today. <laughs> So Jesus starts with the hearer who does his word. Out the gate, Jesus is saying that you cannot build your life on church attendance, on bumper sticker theology, or mere uh, Bible-decorated coffee tables, or scriptures used as inspirational quotes to give you the warm and fuzzies on the inside. Because when the storms of life come, and trust me, they'll come. Jesus says in in, in John, I believe chapter 16, uh, uh, Google it for me. um, He says, uh, um, uh, trouble, or you will experience trouble, but I uh, have come and I've overcome the world. That it is not an if, but a when. When the storms of life come, and when the storms of life come, live, uh, live, laugh, love on your um, door way as you walk in, it's not going to keep your mind when all chaos is breaking out. (laughs) Jeremiah 29 and 11 on a coffee mug is not going to help you (laughs) when you're racked with anxiety because you just got a pink slip from your job. Right? That this is, these are not just words to live by, but these are words of life. So, 
he is calling you to something deeper than just vibrations of an eardrum on a Sunday morning or something more than just what stimulates your emotions or your intellect. But this is a matter of death and life. In both situations in this parable that Jesus is using to illustrate a deep spiritual uh, and theological truth, in both of these circumstances, these houses, um, rain fell, floods came, and wind blew. But it was only one house that was completely destroyed As the Bible says, its fall was great, and the other house stood firm. The foundation of the house did not change the outside circumstances or the environment. The winds blew, the rain fell, and the floods came to both houses. So it is not that uh, living this Christian life and saying yes to a life submitted to Jesus as Savior does not um, exclude you from experiencing pain or heartbreak or going through seasons of loss or uh, feeling like uh, you have no way out. But it is the sure conviction that you will see the other side. That on the outside, we might look the same, but come the storm, who is going to stand on the other side? That is the test of a sure foundation. As a Christian, Christ as your firm foundation does not mean storms will not come. But it is that, it is a guarantee that you are still standing on the other side of the storm, because the storm will pass. The reason why only one house stood is not because of the builder, but because of the foundation. A Christian does not have lasting peace, joy, and real satisfaction because we are just moral people or betterly, uh, better spiritually inclined or have some greater wisdom as if it's something that's innate within our nature. But uh, the total opposite, the Christian realized is in the gospel message that outside of Christ, we are severely flawed. We are deeply broken, ignorant, self-centered, self-seeking, unstable, fickle. And on top of that, we try to hide behind the exterior of self-exaltation and pride. If you looked on the inside, you know you ain't right. (laughs) Have you lived with you? Have you seen you? You don't even want to be with you. This is not a message of self-deprecation or woe is me. It gets you not, but, uh, but, but it is really a truth that speaks to the reality of our condition and the real hope that there is transformation and healing through the gospel message, that that God's sacrifice is valuable and means something, that it's not just a side piece or a motivational uh, message to get you just stoked up for the week, but you are severely flawed, and God has the antidote of sin, and he is the only cure that can cure the desperate and desperately wicked heart of the of mankind because of sin so 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 this is not a a woe is me or like i said a self-deprecated message but it is the truth of god's gospel is that in our sin while we were still sinners while we were still toe up from the flow up god died on the cross for you and i he didn't wait till you got better uh he didn't he didn't say i see the potential of what you could be he says i have made you my own i have bought you with a price that I love you now and there is transformation that will be seen healing that will be experienced in that truth 
The reason why the only house, only one house stood also is not because of the house itself. Most likely the building materials looked exactly the same for the two builders. And if you looked on the outside of a Christian and someone who is not, who is in the world, you might not see a difference before the storm. Looking at your lives on the outside, you might see a college education. Come on, go Bears. <laughs> you might see a successful career. I love teaching, even though I don't get paid much. <laughs> you might see a, a, a marriage or 2.5 kids or a house with a picket fence, a, a retirement account, a hobby, friends and, 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 and family that are close. You might see a healthy body, uh, but, but on, when the storms of life come... If your life is built on those things that are the exterior decorations, will your life um, be a testament to the foundation that you built it on? It would be a grave mistake to think that the windows of a house could preserve you in a hurricane. It would be unthinkable to say that you're hiding under your coffee table uh, during a tornado as if it can't lift you up out of it. Ask Dorothy and see. <laughs> see, because the storm come, came to both houses. And both houses may have taken a beating, but one is still standing while the other had a great fall. If your life is built on a career, then all it takes is one pink slip, one crash in the market, one reception, recession, one filing for bankruptcy, and your life is over. If your life is built on a marriage or the idea of marriage, then one betrayal, one act of infidelity, one breakup could have your whole life come crashing down. If your life is built on your ability to network and your close relationship to friends and family, all it takes is one season of isolation to bring your life tumbling down. Just look at what, uh, how COVID uh, racked our world, um, whether it be economically uh, with its mental health, uh, with this isolation, with um, the attack on our physical body, that even if your life is built on your physical or mental health, all it takes is one illness and your life comes crashing down. But if Christ is your firm foundation to which all the components of your life are built around or centered on, then come what may. Pink slip, illness, betrayal, isolation, or disappointment, though it may not feel good or be good, you know because of God's word that he says that all things work together for the good of them that uh, love him and are called according to his purpose. That, that yes, uh, I, I, I may have an attack on my house that, that the winds may come and, and I may not have the relationship uh, that I would really want or maybe I, I don't have the job that I desire or, or, or maybe I have lost a loved one that on the outside, I may take a couple hits, <laughs> but I, I, I take hits, but I keep on ticking. Hey, I take a 
clicking. Keep on ticking. Come on, somebody. That, that it's because of the firm foundation that I can see the other side of the storm that I'm still standing. I may be bruised. I may even fall to my knees sometimes. But, but, but I may be experiencing some, some seasons of, 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 of anxiety or, or, or some seasons of, of, of despair. But I may be crushed but not perplexed that the Lord, he who sees me, has, takes care of me and knows me. And if I'm built on him as the firm foundation, those things can come. But your life, if it's built on him, will be preserved. You have a testimony like found in Psalms. The psalmist says in Psalms 37, I have been young and now I'm old, yet never have I seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. For the lo- Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. Jesus is teaching and showing us that the firm foundation to which we need to build our lives on gives us, he gives us such clarity on how to do that. He says, if you hear my words and do them, That's the firm foundation. So the firm foundation in being built on him, you got to know his word. You got to put his word into practice. And what is his word? Well, Jesus throughout scripture teaches that scripture is the word of God. In John 10, 35, he's having a heated discussion, to say the least, with uh, the religious uh, leaders. I say say the least because they picked up stones to stone him. I don't know, have anybody been in a heated argument like that where people have come to stone you? Okay, well, um, Jesus is in this predicament, and they're getting ready to stone him because they say that he's blaspheming uh, and basically claiming himself to be God, the Messiah, uh, the one who was promised. And he actually quotes Psalms uh, 82 within this in his argument. But he says, uh, the word of God came and the scriptures cannot be broken. Even within this argument, he is making a clear equivalency between scripture and the word of God. Well, then what is scripture if scripture is the word of God? Uh, Jesus in Luke 24, 44 through 47. Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples after his resurrection, before his ascension. And he says to them, these words that I have spoken to you while I still was with you. Um, wait, wait, I'm a reader. Let's go back. Come on. These are my words that I have spoken to you while I still was with you, that everything was written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, this is uh, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day and rise from the dead and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. So he is um, saying that scripture is the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, that the law of Moses, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers, the prophets, uh, minor and major, and the Psalms are scripture and thus the word of God. 
Jesus quotes the Old Testament during his uh, earthly ministry numerous of times, specifically from Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Psalms, Isaiah, Hosea, and Malachi. If you read in Matthew chapter 4, he quotes um, uh, quite a few times from Deuteronomy uh, when he has been tempted uh, by Satan in the wilderness, that uh, it is the word of God that he says, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That is a quote from Deuteronomy. So uh, Jesus not only uh, gives weight to uh, the scriptures in that way, saying it is the word of God, but uh, that he gives weight that the New Testament is scripture. At that time uh, in Jesus' ascension, right before he's leaving again, uh, John 16, uh, 12 through 15, he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Jesus is giving uh, the disciples this apostolic authority to deliver his word. Uh, Peter, and uh, one of Jesus' disciples, refers to Paul's writing, which makes up most of the New Testament, half of the New Testament. Uh, he refers to Paul's writings as scripture in 2 Peter 3, 15 through 16. Paul, in his letter to uh, Timothy, quotes a passage from Deuteronomy and Luke and refers to it as scripture in 1 Timothy 5 and 8. And so uh, if we are going to build our life on God's word, he says, do not just be a hearer of my word, Jesus says, but a doer. And in that way, you will build your life on a firm foundation. How can you do that if you don't know it? So I'm curious if there's (laughs) biblical scholars in the house today. So I have a little game prepared for you. Is it scripture or is it song lyric? I'm going to put up a quote. And we're going to take a vote on whether you think it is scripture or if it is a song lyric. What you building your life on, huh? Even to your old age and gray hair, I will carry you. So if you think it is scripture, can you raise your hand? No shame in your game. Scripture, okay? All right. How many things? It's a song. Right? Declaring love. You're wrong. It's Isaiah 46 and 4. We had... Pastor Tyler, we'll do better. We'll do better. We'll, we, we'll do better with knowing the word. All that you are is all I will ever need. I think that's in the Gospels. Jesus, all you are is all I'll ever need, Jesus. How many think that that is Scripture. One, okay, two, okay. How many think that is a song? Oh, so you really listen to Ed Sheeran, huh? Because that's an Ed Sheeran song. All right. Let him kiss me. Your love is better than wine. What scripture are you reading? How many think that this is scripture? Some of y'all just raising hand because your neighbor is. Okay, how many think that this is song? It may be both, but it's scripture. Songs of Solomon, <laughs> one and two. <laughs> the first step pleases the Father. Might be the hardest to take, but when you come out of the water, my heart is fleshy. Can't wait another second. I'm running to the altar. How many think that this is scripture? 
my people. How many think that this is a song? Y'all really know songs. Um, Justin Bieber. Now, here's the thing. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to tell myself. During the height of the pandemic, you know, I would go on, go on runs and, uh, or at least try to go on runs. And um, I would have a worship playlist. And I, when this song came out, I was in tears. I thought this was a worship song. And I just was like, so good. It, it, but then when you look in the lyrics, it talks about weed. And um, um, I don't, I don't, I'm just going to end there. I'm just going to, we're live streaming. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm just going to end it there. Um, yeah, uh, that's not on my worship playlist. Um, <laughs> tears stream from my eyes. They flow endlessly. They will not stop. I call out your name and you came. Scripture? Song. Lamentations 3. Okay. Now, what is the purpose of our word? Fun and games, but, but really, is there a way to knowing Scripture? What is the purpose of Scripture? His word is so vitally important because only Jesus has words of eternal life. John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. And in the same way, uh, uh, he is talking to a crowd and his disciples, and he basically has a hard teaching saying, I'm the only way. Uh, if, if this offends you, and, and many people were offended by this, and so they rejected not just his words, but they rejected him and walked away. And uh, he, he looks at his disciples and say, you going too? And, and Peter says, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life, that there is such a connection between the person of Jesus and the words of Jesus, that to build your life on the firm foundation is to build your life on his word, that where else would you go if you reject the word of God, that this only life can be found in his word? It says in Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. So how would you believe the gospel message? How would you trust in a savior if you didn't know that the scripture says he died on the cross for your sins and three days rose in victory? That that, that uh, when you hear the gospel message, the spirit of God illuminates the text to see the reality of the truth of the beauty of his name. Jesus died and resurrected so that you would know him personally. And Jesus is saying that there is no way of knowing me intimately outside of knowing my word. Jesus says in John 8, 31, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my true disciples. I'll say that again. If you abide in my word, you are my true disciples. There was a nationwide study done as of 2020, about 64% of Americans identify as a Christian. 50 years ago, that number was 90%. But only 11% read the Bible regularly. Uh, if we took the litmus test of what Jesus said, some people ain't Christians. I, well, to what degree do you feel as if you are Christ-like if you do not know the words of Christ? If you don't have a conversation and spend time uh, with Jesus that he has chiefly revealed himself through his word. And so if you don't know his word, how do you know him? 
through warm and fuzzies. Oh, I just feel the spirit. What spirit? You don't know. You might be feeling a spirit, but it might not be him. Just because you drink the spirit. Uh, well, let me, let me digress. Let me die. Let me go back. Let me, let me, let me go back to the word. Okay. So knowing scripture is key to knowing the person of God. This is why Mission Church takes the Bible seriously. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active. It's the discerner of thoughts and intentions of the heart. This book is unlike any other book that has ever been written or ever will be written. Uh, that, uh, that there may be, and really it's not just a book, but it's uh, 66 books written by over 40 authors over three continents over 1,500 years. And we see the faithfulness of our God to reveal himself through scripture. That these um, are not just words to live by, but words of life. That there are good books that may have words of truth, but uh, there is not uh, the word like the Bible the word of God that is the truth, the only uh, truth. And so there is no book in all of the universe throughout all of time that has the ability to discern the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. This book is not just a list of what's and how-tos, but the what's and how-tos of the Bible reveal the person and the character of the who of the Bible. So uh, really, when you're reading scripture, it's not what or how, but who. And, and the what's and the how-to's of the Bible are built in relationship with the who. And the who is Jesus. I love this quote from A.W. Tozer. He says, And we must not select a few favorite passages to the exclusion of others. Nothing less than the whole Bible can make a whole Christian. So if he says, if you, you are my disciples, if you abide in my word, well, what does it really mean to abide? And the teacher in me is trying to, I have homework for you. I really need you to go home. We don't have time today. Uh, but really, go home and read Psalms 119. Psalms 119, the way that it talks about the word of God, and it uses different verbiage for it. Um, the psalmist talks about the commandments of God, the precepts of God, uh, the law of God. Uh, but just look how, it, um, look how the psalmist talks about the word. I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Let's take just a pause uh, right there. Um, you know, I'm a math teacher. And I got to know some mathematical facts to do my job well. I got to know that the right triangle in the Pythagorean theorem says the relationship between the legs and the hypotenuse, the longest side, that um, the leg squared plus leg squared equals hypotenuse squared. I got to know when I'm teaching uh, linear functions, that in slope-intercept form, y equals mx plus b, m is the slope and b is the y-intercept. But when the storms of life come, I'm not going A squared plus B squared equals C squared. 
Like, these are not truths that I'm storing up in my, I'm not thinking about mathematical facts in the same way that the psalmist is thinking about storing up the words of God, that the words of God, it's not, it's not just a, a memory thing is storing up, but it's a valuing, a treasuring that these are the words of life. These aren't just objective truths that we are subjected to in reality like gravity, but, but these are truths that we are subjected to in the valuing and the treasuring, and when you see it, as value and infinite, uh, beautiful, you get to see the person and the character of God who you were created to know intimately. So these aren't just facts that we are trying to memorize uh, or rules to make our, our religiosity rigid. But uh, he says, open my eyes that may behold your wondrous works out of your law. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Turn my eyes away from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Take not the truth of your word utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rule. My comfort in affliction uh, is that your promises give me life. Like, I don't know anybody else talking about a book like that. Like, this has the way to preserve your life and to give you all the satisfaction. Jeremiah, uh, the prophet, says this. He says, your your words were found and I ate them. Mm, Somebody say, finger licking good. And your words came to me, and it was the gladness of my heart and the enjoyment. So we see here that there is a reading and a meditating on the word. There's a memorizing of the word. There's a praying of the word. There is a keeping. There's a doing, putting it into practice. If God said it, I'm going to do it. At least try my best. And then he doesn't leave me to my own devices. But that's why he gives me the spirit of God to lead me into truth. And so I'm not on this journey by myself. But as I walk intimately, closely with him, I get to know the heartbeat of God as I spend time in with his word. But many people... Read scripture as if it was some kind of magical spell to spew out in times of distress. Many people, for example, especially like in high school, growing up in Fresno, it's definitely a different religious climate than the Bay Area. And so uh, you can see um, high school athletes all the time. They were getting ready for a big game. Oh, they're doing their stretches, their warm-ups. Maybe, Joe, you, you know, you've experienced this because you play basketball in college. Uh, so uh, you coach. And so um, uh, they, they would go, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Scripture is true, but this is not a magical spell so that you can do whatever you please because you desire such as it gives you some supernatural thing like as if it was Popeye with spinach and you just eat it and boom, you just change into something supernatural. And, but, but, but in context, uh, Paul is talking about how he's really, he's talking to the church at Philippi and he's in Roman prison and uh, he's saying, I have learned the secret of contentment. I've been hungry and I've been full. I've had plenty and I've had little, but I have found this secret. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, which lets me know it's not about the what. It's not about I can do all things, but people really emphasize the I in that statement, but it's really that the God of the Bible is the provider in any season of life that the season of life may come. You can stand firm in that word of encouragement that I can do all things 
things through Christ in this season, I can have plenty, I can have little. I can be sick, I can be healthy. I can have a job, I don't have a job. I can be married, don't be married. Any season of life, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Then many people also use the Bible as a crystal ball. Can I, can I use your Bible? <sighs> Lord, I need you to speak today. Speak, speak, Lord. Oh, God. What are you going to have me say? What are you going to have to say to me today? And you know, I was, you know, I'm definitely guilty of this. Not that, that the Lord doesn't use this, uh, but this is not a method in to read the Bible, okay? <laughs> but people open it up. Okay, what do you say, Lord? And then you, you open it up to Matthew and it's like, Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob, and Jacob, Lord, I'm going through a hard time. I thought you hear me. Let me try again, right? How was the genealogy going to help me, Lord? I thought you were speaking. I thought this was alive and active. Why can't you just open it up? But if you really read that in context, that at the beginning of the chapter, it says the book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the, uh, the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob, and Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. What this is showing is the faithfulness of God through generations and through generations, that what he had promised to Abraham came through the fulfillment of Jesus Christ's generations. When people thought that all hope was lost and the promise of God wasn't going to come through, that if you look at scripture, you can be encouraged by a genealogy because he used sinful, messed up man that Abraham was old and deceitful, that Isaac was passive, selfish, and favoritism ruled his house, and Jacob was selfish and cunning and, and, and deceitful. But yet the promises of God was fulfilled because of the faithfulness of the character of God. Amen. Who would have thought a genealogy could encourage you? But if you read scripture out of context as this crystal ball, you won't see the heart of God, the character of God, because you're so stuck in the what that you're missing the who? So, uh, the worship team uh, can come up, and I'll close with this. I want to share a story of how the Lord really used Scripture uh, in my life um, through a, a really difficult time. So, my dad passed away about nine years ago now, and um, when. I was younger, he really battled severely with drug and alcohol addiction, so much so that it really uh, took a, a wrecking ball to his mental health. And he would go through seasons where he would uh, hallucinate and see snakes um, throughout the house that were coming to get him. And, and, and really, to be honest with you, um, I, I believe there was some spirit, spiritual dark forces that would... Um, kind of influence this because there would literally be a shift in his whole physical appearance. Like he didn't have to say anything. We knew that he was having a reaction. And, and so uh, I, I remember times where my, my mom would have to lock the house during this uh, um, uh, episodes because he, he would be, we would be afraid that he would get out uh, in the neighborhood and really look like he was schizophrenic. And, and there would be times where uh, my mom is praying and my, my dad 
uh, is like he's fearful and he just wanted to be really close to to me and my mom. So he would, if he wasn't in the room, he would come in the room and he would like hold on uh, to to one of us. He would try to hold on to us really tight, and you could just feel palpably the the the, the anguish and the anxiety from something that wasn't there. And, and, and so my mom didn't have a a, 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 a a scripture wall or a coffee mug that she pulled out in those moments. She didn't go to Facebook or Instagram. She didn't go to somebody's uh, Instagram bio to see uh, the truth of God's word. But because she had spent time in God's word, she would lovingly say, hey, Mike, let's, let's read the scripture. We know that, that Paul was encouraging Timothy. And he says, in, in 2 Timothy 1 and 7, like, say this with me, that God has not given you the spirit of fear but a power, love, and a sound mind. Come on, Mike, say this. And it wasn't as if the utterance of those words changed the atmosphere, but it was the resting in the truth of the promises of who God was in the moment that the fear did not come from God, but that he is the one who is the giver of a sound mind when all things seem like there is a confusion, but he is the author of peace. And so knowing scripture in those moments, uh, you, you're not going to have time to Google something when when. When, when the storms of life come, you're, you're not going to have time to maybe call on somebody, but you got to know the word for yourself so that when the rain come and the flood rises, that you have the word of God to trust in the promises of God that no, no height, nor depth, nor any other creature could separate me from the love of God. You got to know that you're the head, not the tail. What are the promises of God for your life? Because the promises of God have been bought with a price because of Jesus Christ. The promises of God are yes and amen in him. My mom stood on the word of God. And as a little boy, it, it was more than just inspiring. It was like because of her individual time she had invested in the word of God, fruit came in those moments. So I got a warning about abiding in God's word. I must warn you, reading this book is habit forming. Regular use causes loss of anxiety and decreased appetite for sin. If you read it too much for too long, you will experience an increase of love, peace, joy, and compassion. You'll start to love people you hate. It starts to do weird things to you. So, so if you don't want to change, don't read it. If you don't want peace, if you don't want to know the reason why you were created, then don't read it. Don't meditate on it. That's the last thing the enemy wants you to do. Your busy schedule, that's the last thing he wants you to make time for. So let's pray. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Maybe you're under the sound of my voice. I don't know if you said that you're, maybe you're in the crowd this morning and you've heard about Jesus, but you don't really know him. And you're like, I, I, I need this firm foundation. It's either him or not him. And, and through the power of the spirit, God is illuminating his word to see, I, I need to build my life on his word, on him, the firm foundation. And you have not trusted in Jesus with your life. You don't know him intimately. You don't have a relationship with him. You don't know him as Lord. You don't know him as Savior. You don't know him as peace. You don't know him as joy. There's an invitation on the table for you today. That in the, in the moment of time right now, that you can enter relationship with him. If that's you, I just want to pray with you so that you can walk with your God that has created you to know him intimately. 
If that's you, you know that you, you don't have him as a firm foundation. You don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Would you be bold enough just to raise your hand on the count of three? Not, not, not just so that people can look, but, the, but so that I can pray with you. And we can rally around you as a community. And so if that's you this morning, on the count of three, one, two, three, if that's you, like I need a personal relationship with Jesus, would you raise your hand? God sees that hand. God sees that hand. Yes, God. God, I pray for those right now who, God, you are moving on their hearts to see you clearly. God, would you make yourself known that your love is tangibly seen? God, that you uh, would wrap them in your loving arms to, to walk with them in relationship, that their life is now uh, in the book of life, that they have eternal life uh, to know you. And maybe you're under the sound of my voice this morning and, 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 and you do know Jesus. You have a personal relationship with him, but, but you're not intimately knowing him through his word as much as you would like and i'm gonna raise my hand for that i i, I gotta do a better job i'm too busy is my excuse or or i i i'm in community and I, i'm leading a group but am i spending time actually nourishing my own soul with the word i need to do a better job but if that's you if that's speaking to you this morning you, you want to make a, a a more intentional time with him and his word i just want to pray with you if that's you would you raise your hand god you see hands all around this room God, it's, we, we can't read or understand scripture without your spirit. So spirit of the living God, God, would you create in us a thirst and a hunger to see you clearly in your word. God, the, the word, it, it might be challenging, but God, you, the spirit gives understanding. God, we can do this through community. God, you've given us uh, pastors and teachers and community. Uh, God, small groups to open up your word together, to see your word come alive through community. And so, God, I pray that we would make individual time to spend time in your word. In Jesus' name, I pray. We're going to pray this prayer together, the sinner's prayer, that if you raise your hand on the first question, I really uh, implore you to pray this, that as the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, uh, this prayer that, that you are saved. And so let's pray this all together collectively. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I've fallen short. I have entrusted you. I haven't really known you. But you paid the price. You died on the cross for my sins and was resurrected with all power so that I may know you. My heart is yours. You are mine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.